0: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Aspiring Abolitionists. Today we're going to discuss censorship in music and how different music types are treated unequally under the law. Music has often been a form of dissent, as artistic expression often catalogs the surroundings in our societies. The reason jazz musicians were so prominent is because they sang of the woes of segregation and how it limited their ability to fully be. This has changed over time, with the most current manifestation of musical expression within the Black community has been hip-hop. Hip-hop is not old at all. It's only about 30 to 40 years old. Freedom of expression is something many fight for, but it is not as guaranteed as we may think. I will go into length on what exactly is protected in freedom of speech, limitations to those protections, and a few examples of how hip-hop censorship has entered in dire circumstances for a variety of artists. So within the constitution, we are given certain inalienable rights. Um, And one of our inalienable rights is the freedom of speech. Um, And the freedom of speech basically details the following rules gives us the right to freedom of expression, right? Um, So everyone has the right to freedom of expression. This right shall include freedom to hold opinions and to receive and impart information and ideas without interference by public authority and regardless of frontiers. This article shall not prevent states from requiring the licensing of broadcasting, television, or cinema enterprises. And number two, the exercise of these freedoms, since it carries with it duties and responsibilities, may be subject to such formalities, conditions, restrictions, or penalties as are prescribed by law and are necessary in a democratic society, in the interest of national security, territorial disorder, or crime, for the protection of health or morals, for the protection of reputation or rights of others, for pre- preventing the disclosure of information received in confidence, or for maintaining the authority and impartiality of the judiciary. Although you have freedom of expression, you also have a duty to behave responsibly and to respect other people's rights. Public authorities may restrict this right if they show that their action is lawful, necessary in proportion in order to protect national security, territorial integrity, so the borders of the state or public safety, to prevent disorder or crime, to protect health or morals, to protect the rights and reputations of other people. This is when you come with like You know, libel and basically people like talking about you, things that aren't true um, to prevent the disclosure of information received in confidence. So this is like kind of where we go with that whistleblower theory to maintain the authority and impartiality of judges, um, meaning that judges can't discuss what happens in a judicial hearing. And an authority may be allowed to restrict your freedom of expression if, for example, you express views that encourage racial or religious hatred. So this is when we come into something like hate speech. Um, and basically right now in a lot of different states, there's hate speech, um, you know, requirements. Uh, but there are only three more states in the United States that don't currently have hate speech legislation. Um, and one of them happens to be South Carolina. So now let's go on to a few examples of censorship or using hip hop to promote several ideologies across a wide spectrum of people. So in 1989, the FBI released a letter to the group NWA. Um, I'm not gonna say their full name on the podcast. Um, I would say look it up if you don't know. (laughs) Um, And basically within this letter, um, it was following the release of their song, F the Police. Um, So I'm gonna read the letter actually that the FBI sent them. A song recorded by the rap group NWA on their album entitled Straight Outta Compton encourages violence against and disrespect for the law enforcement officer and has been brought to my attention. I understand your company recorded and distributed this album, and I am writing to share my thoughts and concerns with you. Advocating violence and assault is wrong, and we in the law enforcement community take exception to such action. Violent crime a major problem in our country reached an unprecedented high in 1988, 78 law enforcement officers were feloniously slain, so that basically means they died in the line of duty, during 1988, four more than in 1987. Law enforcement officers dedicate their lives to the protection of our citizens, and recordings such as the one from NWA are both discouraging and degrading to these brave, dedicated officers. Music plays a significant role in society, and I wanted you to be aware of the FBI's position relative to this song and this message. I believe my views reflect the opinion of the entire law enforcement community. Um, so this came from the assistant director of the Office of Public Affairs for the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Um, so this was Milt Alcaric, Alaric. Alaric. Um, And basically, he wrote this to the national promotions director um, at Priority Records, um, the people who were representing NWA at the time. Um, So Charbonnet basically said that throughout a summer concert tour, NWA was faced with attempts by local police departments alerted to the F the Police lyrics through a fax campaign to stop the group from performing. Local police feared, she said, that the group would incite violence against police officers. In several cities, NWA members met with local media to tell the public and the police that their fears were exaggerated. The song itself was not a part of the group's concert repertoire, and whatever the worst fears were, nothing happened. The only incident occurred in Detroit on the last day on the tour last month when the crowd created a disturbance by chanting the song and the group left the stage. So I'm reading an interview from Charbonnet from the 1989 when she was talking about her experiences like touring with NWA. Later that day, the group was detained briefly at their hotel by police investigating the disturbance, but no arrests were made. Now here's an example of something a little bit more interesting, a little bit more current. Um, so have you ever thought of a rapper would be convicted for his lyrics? So we're going to go through a couple examples from tay Bobby Schmerder, and YW Melly. So in 2014, Brooklyn rapper Bobby Schmurter and 14 other members of his GS9 collective were arrested later and later indicted, partly due to his lyrics and several other rappers' street anthems. Schmurter was accused of leading the group, which carried out a number of crimes in New York, including drug dealings and shootings. Although Schmurter insisted that GS9 was just a group of his childhood friends and not a gang, he eventually pleaded guilty to weapons possession and conspiracy, and he is now serving seven years in state prison. Earlier this year, rapper at Y.W. Melly's hit single, Murder on My Mind, was also used as evidence in his double murder case, in which the rapper allegedly killed two of his close friends. He's currently facing the death penalty. But the legal legitimacy of using song lyrics as evidence remains unclear. Um, this is a quote from actually Justice Janie LaVakia. Um, so she's actually one of the justices who ruled on this in New Jersey. And she said, one would not presume that Bob Marley, who wrote the well-known song, I Shot the Sheriff, actually shot a sheriff. Or that Edgar Allan Poe buried a man under his floorboards as depicted in his short story, The Telltale Heart. Simply because of their respective artistic endeavors on those subjects. The court reasons that defendants lyrics should receive no different treatment. So this is a ruling from the New Jersey courts. They basically said that song lyrics cannot be used in a prosecutorial manner um, as far as advocating or prosecuting people um, for violent crimes. The court also added that lower courts must not allow into evidence fictional forms of inflammatory self-expression, like rap lyrics, unless they reveal a strong correlation between the words and the crime. And that the prejudicial impact does not outweigh the relevance to establishing motive or intent. So basically, as long as the song lyrics are used as additional evidence and not a basis for the entire establishment of motive behind the crime or intent, then they believe that the censorship and the rap lyrics should be allowed within the court system. Also, currently TK is serving time in jail um, from his actual album, um, this song called The Race, where basically he was detailing how he was evading um, arrest, allegedly, um, for two years successfully, um, and then he was eventually detained um, in connection to a shooting and a robbery. Um, in both Texas and I think one other place. Um, but basically now tay is currently serving um, time in jail um, as an accomplishment, uh, as an accomplice for murder um, and also being charged for that robbery. Um, and he got charged based on the lyrics from The Race um, where basically he detailed exactly how allegedly his escape route was. Um, so I'm actually gonna read a little bit more from that as well. So basically tay helped put himself in prison Um, Because they basically just sent him to 55 years. So he was found guilty of robbery and murder um, in the death of 21-year-old Ethan Walker during a botched home invasion in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in 2016. So basically the lyrics that they talk about, um, and this is what they actually played in court... um, so it goes, F A B. I was trying to beat a case, but I ain't beat that case. I did the race. We was plotting, y'all I was trying to get the pack in. Get the pack in, you get robbed for a fraction. So basically, they thought that those lyrics were insinuating um, his actual doings. Um, so basically, during his run from the cops, he also allegedly robbed a 65-year-old man in Texas, which is what I'm talking to. Um, but he's been charged um, for 55 years um, for that robbery um, and for that death. Um, those two connected crimes, and now he's currently like waiting um to be char- on sentenced in court. Um, so he's actually waiting in jail. Um, so this is kind of where we go through with plea bargaining, um, and the idea that our jail and carceral systems, a lot of times pre-trial is actually when you are more disparate to mental health issues and also more disparate to fall into the cycle of the prison cycle, um, in our carceral system. Um, so actually pre-trial methods and pre-trial holdings are something that I'm definitely going to be talking about a little bit later. Um, but that is the episode concerning censorship music and how rap lyrics somehow became the greatest way for you to figure out whether or not someone committed a crime or not do we think censorship is fair and what are our thoughts now i'm going to listen to an interview um from nwa um this is basically an interview with ice cube talking about his time with censorship music and how nwa basically was the unwriting victim of all of it
1: well, we exercising our first amendment as far as i'm concerned That's a scene from last year's Straight Outta Compton, the movie that tells the story of the birth and rise of N.W.A., one of the most influential and controversial groups in American music. Ice Cube, played there by his real-life son O'Shea Jackson Jr., was a founding member. Their ferocious, often violent lyrics were banned by some radio stations. One even drew a warning from the FBI. After leaving N.W.A. in a contract dispute, Ice Cube went solo. Then he started acting. Before long, he was a mainstream star and even a corporate pitchman. Latest film, Barbershop The Next Cut, in theaters now, I took Ice Cube to lunch in one of the 1964 Chevy Impalas he helped make famous. I had to do it. Make me feel right at home. You mind if I take you to lunch? Hey, man, let's do it. What's that like, Cube? Every day you're like, uh,
2: it's been a uh, dream of a career. Never thought in my wildest dreams that uh, we would get this far. You know, especially with the kind of music we started off with. If I had a chance to write down the kind of career I wanted when I was young, I would have short-chained myself because I definitely didn't see, you know, this much variety. Do you know Q? Uh,
1: Marcus Samuels, this is you know, restaurant. restaurant. How you doing? Thank you for everything. You got a nice Thank you restaurant. for giving
2: it all inspiration and everything.
1: Yeah, no problem, Thank man. you. As dreams come true, go. this is a pretty good one. Eating cornbread with Ice Cube. <laughs> hey, yeah, nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> Just went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I thought that was a big moment on so many levels, but mostly because it was an acknowledgment of how powerful your music and how powerful hip-hop is. On the same night, somebody like Steve Miller is going yeah. to the Hall of Fame, so is Ice Cube. Was that a big deal for you guys? Yeah, without a doubt, man. We
2: never thought we'd be anywhere near here. For us to be so hated and despised when we first came out by so many people to, to get that recognition from the industry. In a lot of ways, said rap wasn't even music when we first started. You know, being the fifth rap group to go in, the first West Coast rap group to ever go in, it's just
1: an honor on a thousand different levels. It's funny you say when you guys were starting out, so many people didn't like you. At what point do you think that changed? I think when our, our video
2: got banned on MTV... Straight out, of Compton, crazy mother- ice cube. Straight out of Compton was banned. And that just made this group that was making all this noise out of L.A. become a nationwide story. I think that's kind of where things started to open up, where people said,
1: you know, no matter if you like the music or not, you gotta take this movement serious. What was it like being in the middle of that storm? to be NWA at that time and having it blow up so big.
2: It was it was a trip because it was fun, because we were living our dreams. It was also crazy at the same time because we're going from being just local guys to these kind of ambassadors for free speech and just be like, "This is us, like it or not. But we're not
1: gonna change for, for anybody. Was there ever a point where you thought maybe we've gone too far and we're not gonna be accepted. I didn't feel that that point that we
2: had pushed it too far because we were trying to figure out where the boundaries were. Like, after I left NWA, it felt like, you know, some of the records that I wasn't there, hmm. that they went a little
1: too far, that I wouldn't have went there oh, with Oh, really? It. Yeah, yeah. Was that a tough call for you to walk away from NWA at that time?
2: Yeah, it was tough to come up with that as a solution. Once I made the decision, Nothing more powerful than a made-up mind. I mean, I knew that I was gonna give it my best shot, uh, but I was I was okay with going back to my old life if I had to. You've got all
1: this success in music, and then movies come along. Either they don't know, don't show. I don't care about what's going on in the hood. Mm-hmm. Was that the first time you said to yourself, "Oh"? I can do this. I can be good at this, too.
2: Yeah. I mean, before then, I I had no aspirations at all to act. I was just trying to be the best rapper in the world. To have people like uh, Larry Fishburne, who's Lawrence now, but, you know, have him and Cuba Gooden Jr. And have those guys, like, take me under their wing, help me out. They made me feel like I was an actor, you know, even though I was,
1: you know, so new. Do you ever feel like you had to leave a little piece of the N.W.A. Ice Cube behind when you entered the world of Hollywood? Man, I'm so tired of this
2: mess. Every time I turn around, somebody killing somebody over nothing. Not really. No. You know, I just think as you mature, there's a natural polish
1: that should happen with an artist that's here to stay. Can you believe how much the game has changed? Since you guys first got in it. Man, it's hard to believe. I wish some of
2: these MCs that's doing it now, I wish they had a chance to beat it around late 80s and early 90s and, you know, the
1: golden era of hip-hop. Favorite Ice Cube song? It was a good day.
2: Just waking up in the morning, gotta thank God. I don't know, but today seems kind of odd. I
1: think a lot of people would pick that one, too. Yeah. How about favorite NWA song? Oh, man. F the police. Cause
2: I'm from the CPT. police are afraid of me The best description of what NWA was all about, you know Put that in the time capsule Let them open it up 50 years from now This song is a protest song This is something you can scream the top of your lungs And ultimately, it doesn't hurt anybody But may hurt a couple feelings Mm. But that's it Do
1: your kids ever listen to your old records And come to you to ask about them?
2: Yeah Yeah, they've come to me, you know, and I'm I'm glad they have. You know, to me, it's it's great to be able to explain to them what I was thinking, thought process. I think uh, more parents should see what their kids are into, Mm -hmm. even if it's
1: a little raw, so they can have those conversations. I can tell you, when your records... Playing out of my room, <laughs> my mom had some questions. Yeah, some
2: conversations. Yeah, we had some
1: conversations <laughs> about that, but I still kept the records. Um, and look how you turned out. It went. So, it turned out okay. Turned out you okay. You raised me. Thank you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> And our thanks to our friends at Street Bird Restaurant up in Harlem for providing the food for that conversation. By the way, Ice Cube has been married to his wife, Kim, for 24 years. Their anniversary is this this week. They've got five children together, and he rightly credits Kim for much of his success. In our Sunday today, Web Extra Ice Cube gives us a list of his favorite current artists, and there are some surprises in there. Head to today.com slash Sunday to check it out.
0: And that is straight from the horse's mouth. Make sure you guys drop some comments on how you feel about censorship in music, how it has kind of limited our ability to fully enjoy hip hop, and why we feel like it's only isolated mainly towards hip hop lyrics and why people continue to push the argument that hip hop promotes violence in our modern society. Thank you guys and I hope that you guys learned a lot and remember to always challenge the perspectives and opinions that you hear about your life because a lot of times it's much more under the surface. See you guys next week.